This is CyberPod EU, the European cybersecurity podcast powered by Sockwise. She was talking about the need for two things: good people, but also all of industry working together and not just having the big players win all of the contracts. all about collaboration and the NATO Edge conference was fantastic for that. This episode was recorded on the occasion of a tech conference organized by NATO in Belgium called The Edge. This event provides an exhibition space for system vendors and providers, but more importantly, there are presentations and breakout sessions covering all aspects of information technology and opportunities working with the Stefan's organization. This year, cybersecurity was a bit dominating. My guest today is Craig Smith from LA International. His special knowledge about NATO and the conference itself, also his personal relationship network, makes this conversation really valuable for people having interest in NATO and the Edge Conference. Let's welcome Craig Smith. Here with me is Craig Smith from LA International. Hello, Craig. Welcome here. Hi, Greg. Thanks. It's it's very nice of you that you came to see us in the CyberPod EU next episode around the NATO Edge Conference. So, uh, uh, we've, we've known each other for, I guess, uh, almost two years. I know that you are working very much together with, with, with NATO and, and their agencies. And I'm really interested in your experiences regarding NATO Edge itself for, for first and, and any uh, for the audience inter interesting info around this topic would be very valuable from you. So uh, would you introduce yourself a bit? Yeah, so uh, my name's Craig Smith, as you say, from LA International. We are, I'm one of the senior account managers for our company who have been working with NATO for over, probably over 15 years now. Um, predominantly, we were a, a subcontractor on something called the SSC framework of uh -huh. supply of consultants, um, mainly into NCIA, but it branched out into other departments and other projects that were led by service integrators. But four years ago, we were awarded a prime supply spot on something called the Assistance and Advisory uh, Services Framework, a better known as a AAS framework for NCIA, mm -hmm. um, which was is used to recruit um, what they call IWC, so interim workforce contractors into NATO. Uh -huh. And service contractors, maybe on deliverables contracts for a finite amount of time. So um, we're very successful on that framework. We've got over 160 consultants based in NCIA wow. um, across all locations that you can imagine. And mm -hmm. um, obviously quite a lot of them are based within the cyber security center within um, mm -hmm. NCIA. So that's kind of a background to what I do on an operational basis, really, Greg. Thank you very much. And what is your, so how should we imagine your, your day, your, your so, work yeah, day? Mainly? It's a good question. It's busy. <laughs> busy. Um, you know, uh, everything that's going on in the world at the moment means, uh -huh. uh, it's not a nice thing to say in a way, but in the business area that we work in, war is 
good for business, if you like. Some people say that. Um, so it is a busy time for us. So my typical day would, you know, um, consist of we are issued with requirements of roles um, and statements of work from mm. NCIA, of which we have a 10-day period to respond with um, a maximum of three consultants. So as you can imagine, it's a fast-paced environment that we work in because we are, it's a very competitive market. There's lots of people trying to get to the best candidates mm. fastest. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the kind of crux of what I do. Outside of all that, you know, once you've got people running, um, and, and I want to say running, I mean working at NCIA, there's a lot of day-to-day activity that takes place which involves um you know kind of business as usual tasks you know things like payroll payment queries you know if people are invoicing for services that go wrong people are after extensions to their own contracts um when negotiating with managers around contracts and and payments and finding out opportunities as well there's quite a lot of business development opportunities that we work on um and then most recently greg because we are a a uk based firm and we had a, a large amount of british consultants and um, mm-hmm. brexit caused uh quite a lot of issues for ourselves over the past couple of years and, 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 and although i'm an, although i'm classed as myself as like a recruitment consultant i felt a bit like an immigration lawyer over the past two years so <laughs> it's uh, oh, sorry to hear that yeah so no it's been we yeah i think we've done a lot of work it's been positive in the end you know i think we've mm-hmm. gained a lot of respect from senior stakeholders across nato world mm-hmm. and um yeah, we we think and hope that we're going to get through the other end of that positively. There's still a lot of things to do, but yeah. So on a day-to-day basis, I can cover quite a lot of topics, but predominantly <laughs> my job is meant to be based around finding good consultants for NATO. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And uh, just for the ones who don't know that much, uh, how large is the cybersecurity area of NATO or, or, or NCIA? Because they have their own cyber defense center, but also have competence centers. It's pretty difficult for an external to understand all these abbreviations. You seem to know very well, but for someone well, who don't really know them, just uh, some, some, I mean, some I, I don't profess to be any expert, Greg, um, but of course, the majority of our work is done with the NCIA. So, of course, mm-hmm. they have the NCSC. It used to be known as NCERC. Um, <laughs> four, four, uh, sorry, three of abbreviations so far. Yeah, there you so go. The so the NATO Communications so NATO Communications Information Agency, that's the sort of, I call it the IT and cyber arm, technology arm of NATO. Mm-hmm. So that's the the, the the first abbreviation to, to state. And then NCERC was the old name for the Cyber Security Center, which is what mm-hmm. it's called now, uh, the NATO Cyber Security Center. So that's where we have a lot of our consultants. We probably have around, I mean, ourselves probably have around 30 to 40. And then, mm-hmm. of course, there's other cons- other companies. And then, obviously, they've got a lot of um, what they call NATO civilians, which are permanent employees of NATO. Uh-huh. And then also you have military staff on 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 mission there as well so in in Um, all it's it's around 200 people i'd say maybe yeah i I wouldn't be able to give you a number to be honest with you but i would say maybe that's around the right number Mm -hmm. because and then as well you have Mm -hmm. another abbreviation you have what they call customer support units around nato and you also have nato hq you also have act which is the allied um 
centre. The difficult thing is understanding where and how big each area is, but everybody within NATO really, each of the departments has some kind of cyber function. Mm. Yeah. Some kind of cyber function. Yes, because the the whole NATO in in operations is 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 just a, a cooperation between between states as as we assume all of us but uh, in in reality it's just uh, the information flow and then NCIA needs to protect this information flow which seems to be crucial nowadays so many nations are currently in NATO and it's it's even getting bigger so yeah okay so and uh, going for, forward a bit so why did you uh, choose to participate on this event so in the past, um, you're going to ask me what the abbreviations for these are, but I don't know them. But they used to have things, they used to have two conferences each year mm -hmm. called NIAS and NITEC. Mm -hmm. NIAS was always done in Mons at the same um, place in Belgium. Mm -hmm. And NITEC used to be taken around different locations of the NATO um, world. So before COVID, it was going to go to Austin, Texas. And I was really looking forward to that trip, as you can imagine. But obviously what happened in the world happened mm -hmm. and that got cancelled. So it was really important for us to go back to NATO Edge because it, there's nothing like seeing everybody face to face. And it's mm -hmm. such a friendly environment to um, to be around. And I can't stress that enough. And I, I also want to state that in this podcast for anyone that's listening that might be interested but i've not always worked in the nato environment so i've been doing this nato piece for around uh just over four and a half years now mm -hmm. but before that my time at la international was what was in the uk known as working within the public sector so the central government departments mm -hmm. and i used to go to similar conferences for things like universities and the civil service within the uk and the interaction level difference between that and NATO is completely different worlds. You know, what mm -hmm. you get within NATO, people are so forthcoming to you. They approach you. They're always asking questions. They're inquisitive yeah. and also are open to you asking questions. And it's all about collaboration. It That was the big thing I took from NATO Edge this year as well, which we'll probably get mm -hmm. onto. But it's all about collaboration and the NATO Edge conference was fantastic for that. So it was important for mm -hmm. us to get back there. We made sure we booked everything relatively early because we know how in demand it is. Um, so we had a good stand spot and, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's quite important to, to have that as well. So, yeah, we know the value of them. And for our business, Greg, it's um, it's quite easy to quantify what when we, um, as a, a nature of our business and recruitment is, yes, it costs money to to exhibit at edge but we probably only need to put a couple of people into jobs from leads or maybe get one or two contracts with other companies um that means we have got value for money from the conference and a lot of these other a lot of the other companies that are there you know there's mm -hmm. the likes of um you know you can name any cisco airbus ibm you know large organizations that are maybe doing a bit more of a longer sell to the to the to NATO, mm -hmm. and it's hard to quantify if they get anything from Edge, but they have to be seen to be there. But for us, it's quite easy to quantify mm -hmm. that personally. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I truly agree with you. I was uh, very much surprised how open the people are there, yeah, and how 
how much interest they give you. I mean, they are really work, walked around, came to our booth and start, started talking and then really go deep into the technology when it when it was it was about a, a portion of the the things we showed on there. So yeah, interesting. But regarding technologies, yeah, are yeah, sorry. Yeah, I think as well. Just to add that, sorry, Greg. Um, you know, we've been through COVID for two, but too long, for years now, and we've spoke on many, you know, Teams calls, um, Zoom calls, and I've done that with other people as well and other companies. But there's nothing like being able to go over there, shake hands with somebody. Um, you know, depending on your relationship, give them a hug, say hello, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's great to to meet people and just take the relationship to the next level for for the future. And I I don't think you can put enough. Um, I don't think you can put the value on that. Really, it's it's really really big for us, especially mm -hmm. when we deal with people. We're a mm -hmm. very people focused company. Mm -hmm. Uh, you mentioned that you are not a, a cybersecurity expert technologically, <laughs> but uh, I guess you have a sense about the the technologies in rise. So, what do you think the on on one hand the biggest threats nowadays, or on the other hand, what cha changes are coming in terms of cybersecurity technologies? So. It, it's an, when I looked at the questions in advance, Greg, this is an interesting um, question for me because, as I say, I'm not a technical expert. Yeah. You know, I can be sent a statement of work for them for me to recruit mm -hmm. an engineer, mm -hmm. and I don't need to know what the technologies do, but I need to just know that that person can match the uh -huh. statements uh -huh. of work. Uh -huh. So I see skill sets that are on statements uh -huh. of work. You know, things yeah, yeah. like Splunk and ArcSight's RSA NetWitness. Um, the one the one that does jump out that I know NATO in 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 the NCIA service line of cyber are struggling with is Splunk. Mm -hmm. um, I used to have a couple of UK senior Splunk engineers and that had to be, well, not forced, but they felt necessary to leave the contract due to the risks around Brexit and they've really struggled to replace them with the same level of expertise mm -hmm. and of course once nato make a make a commitment to a technology and they've said they're going to use that and they've paid for the services of that company and then technologies they've got to then find the people to implement them or configure them and install them and maintain mm -hmm. them mm -hmm. and and you know work on them on a day-to-day -day basis and <clears throat> so when you ask about you know, that's why I'm saying of the value of our company, it, we are one company that supplies people. But it's a big part of the role that I think um, at NATO in terms of actually having the right people on the ground using these uh, technologies. And, and and for me, that when the second part of your question was what was the risk, the way I look at the risk is slightly different than the way some cyber expert would look at it or somebody within operations. I mm -hmm. see it as... If NATO commit to using a technology, then how easy or hard is it to find people to actually be an expert or use that technology and implement it, configure it, install it? Like I say, that part is a big risk, I see, mm -hmm. because they make a commitment with not, without that understanding sometimes. 
and then rely on companies like us rightly so that's what we're paying the money to do but also if they're new to new technologies and the market isn't as um well populated as some mm-hmm. of the older technologies or more prevalent ones it becomes extremely difficult to find people to come mm-hmm. in and actually make a difference so um yeah yeah it's a it's a that I suppose maybe not the same answer that you might get from um, everybody that you do these podcasts with, Greg, but I think it's a, a relevant one. Um, I heard. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. I couldn't agree more. I just, for example, yesterday I had a discussion with with a company searching for for similar capabilities, and it was one uh, one thing we pinpoint in these these discussions it's nice that you have the the latest technology it's also very nice that you've got analysts who are able to use it but you have to know very very precisely how does these tools are working in order to be able to do the real analysis and it's it's on one hand the engineering aspect on on the other hand the real cyber defense knowledge around the the rules the 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 actual workflows in the tool and for the newest tools it's getting more and more difficult because they are more like a black box some kind of an ai is working inside and not really you are not really able to to determine how does it really do their job yeah and uh yeah you mentioned uh, several uh vendors like like splunk arcsight or or rsa witness uh for for the audience if they are not aware actually both or all three are are uh, seam platforms originally but now and now all they are moving into the xdr and automation uh, platforms I, uh, so for us it's it's also a key a key technology to use and uh, we see the the growing need for those technologies and not just at, at nato but actually the the leading private and and, and pub- public organizations as well yeah so uh it's it sounds uh, very valuable to me uh, you also mentioned the collaboration, uh, maybe not in 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 Europe, but uh, but on the on the NATO level. Um, do you have a key takeaway? So one thing you remember from this event and was very very interesting for you? Or? Yeah, I've got I've got two, but they they two. tie in, Greg. So the kind of keyword that I heard a lot um, throughout the conference was was outsourcing. Mm-hmm. It was a big part of the conference, and I think obviously that links to NATO being dependent on industry. So all of the technology companies and all of the suppliers that were there, we, they they are reliant on those organisations to improve the defence structure of NATO moving forward. Mm-hmm. And outsourcing was a massive part of that, and they kept talking about it lots of the senior managers kept talking about it and how dependent they were and when you went into a lot of the breakout sessions they spoke about the business opportunity sessions but in particular spoke about the use of the fact that the systems that are implemented or or chosen within uh, NATO they need to be able to plug into each other for future and I, again, I'm not a specialist, but then when I listened to the closing speech from the former Estonian prime minister, I can't remember the lady's name, but she was so impressive on stage. She was talking about the need for two things, good people 
but also all of industry working together and not just having the big players win all of the contracts. They need to be all be able to plug into each other to make sure that the um, defensive, you know, um, and, and, and how NATO use these technologies is as best as possible. Because ultimately, if one company just dominates the market, then, you know, it's going to get predictable. It's going to get, you know, it's not going to be much value in it for other companies. And then obviously that ties into the outsourcing piece. So that was the kind of two things for me was the mm-hmm. collaboration and outsourcing at the same time. Well, thank you. I Yes, I have the same feeling. Uh, so I fully agree with you, but it's going to be a very difficult job for them. Impossible, in terms of, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, like I think, because ultimately everybody wants, you know, it sounds great, doesn't it, working together. Like everybody wants to work together. And in some projects, it has to happen. You know, people have to buy product from Cisco or they have to go and buy a product from um, or Splunk or, or, or however you wanted to say it, right? Palo Alto, so, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. they're going to have to buy these things and there is a collaboration there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's also a very competitive market, you know, and mm-hmm. you're not going to want to show your hand to the other companies um, that are bidding against you to win these large contracts. And there is a lot of money at stake, you know, mm-hmm. in all of these contracts. And people's livelihoods are on the line. If they're a business development manager or a bid manager for these companies, it's fine, you know, saying the bigger picture is that we've got to try and help the world. But mm-hmm. people also have jobs and they go to home to the families. And if they don't win these bids and their pay depends on it, it's a, it's not mm-hmm. going to be easy. And, I, and that's why I use the word, it probably is impossible mm-hmm. to have it completely happen. But I suppose mm-hmm. it's not impossible to just improve it a little bit, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes, and on the other hand, when they try to do business with not the largest players on the market, but the, the smaller companies, they face the tremendous activity they have to do just to get a just to get an engagement. So <laughs> a procurement process is unbelievably complicated. It is. Yeah. On one hand, and when you engage and you start a project, the the requirements to set up a project team is also unbelievable. I remember our first project, we had to read three three thousand and five hundred pages to understand what kind of so, uh, risks are uh, in front of us. So uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. not for the, it, the, small, the smallest. It is, and it's yeah. it, like you say, when you're the smaller businesses, it, even to bid, the cost to just bid is immense. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and is it worth you know i know i understand you sometimes got to speculate to accumulate but there's such a risk bidding for you know which will cost thousands of euros mm-hmm. to Absolutely. ultimately potentially end up with nothing and mm-hmm. and that's why the big suppliers will all be the one always be the ones that are bidding for the same pieces of work and probably sharing it out you know they probably want to, they won't want to award it all to the same companies, of course, on all the projects. But, you know, yep. if there's four in a year, maybe one, mm-hmm. there's four big suppliers, then, you know, one each. And that's the way it will play out. I, I, I can't see it being different, but you just hope that the big suppliers don't price out the smaller ones because I think it, there's so many good companies out there now, like 
you know, you, yourselves, like, you know, who've got a really good reputation building in NATO and you don't want to be able to, you don't want to be priced out of things. You know, there's a lot of value that can be added. So, Yeah. So uh, it's difficult, but on the other hand, at least when they so, so straightforward, so openly uh, communicate about this, that's a very good first step, I think, to find a positive aspect of all this and they try they really try to do it and uh, and we can see the future it's also an advantage of uh, of working together with nato that you can see into the future for two three years what kind of procurement processes are being prepared and 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 we we are do we do our best all, all of the suppliers i mean uh so so I, i see the future also positive in terms of business with them so, and i hope for the best i guess i really hope that it's the same for you i guess there are also huge uh, rfqs in the coming months years for for la, LA international how do you find it yeah what we've our big our big one is up next year so our aas contract um mm -hmm. the advisory services framework that we have that comes to an end at the end of 2023 and they've already sent out the notification of intent mm -hmm. so there's going to be bidders conferences coming up in the new year i think um you know so that's going to be all hands to the pump in terms of making sure that we get reselected on that framework mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. be interesting to see how they do that how many supplies they select um you know but And then, but also at the same time, there's lots of cyber bids that are ongoing at the moment, of which we've mm -hmm. um, done some bid support and and pricing, um, because ultimately, as I said before, you know they can they'll go into these projects, but they will still need people, and they will need mm -hmm. people at short notice, and they'll need people with security clearances to go and work in various countries around the world, and that's what we specialize in. So we hope that we can um uh supply to some of the winners of the of the contracts that are going to be awarded in the next sort of 12 to 18 mm -hmm. months to two mm -hmm. years so yeah so that's what i wanted to highlight as well that's that we see the future there are opportunities which is very positive and you started positive that you liked the the event itself and very and you find it very important within your business uh so um, remaining in this positive side actually we had an internal uh, discussion around the jokes so how much fun can we have around cybersecurity and i wanted to uh, start my presentation on an event with a, with a cybersecurity joke i was searching for it for days <laughs> actually i found jokes but none of them was really funny so <laughs> if you happen to to have a joke in in, in, in this I'm not a very good no. joke person, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, I'm really, okay. I'm, I'm really not. What was the funniest moment of the uh, of the event this time? If you can recall anything. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm so sorry that it's a podcast that you dear audience yeah, this, don't see the me, face of put me on the spot Smith. <laughs> yeah yeah you've got me on the spot haven't you no no um, that's actually that's hilarious i guess so there are thousands maybe millions of people around the globe we have this nice nice opportunity to create very good jokes but we fail <laughs> yeah and um, so there wasn't any so i suppose at the conference when we're setting up you see a lot of people setting up don't you 
the, their stands and um, their booths. Yeah, it's quite that's quite a comical thing to see because some people have no idea what they're doing, and also half of the things don't even get delivered. So they're they're standing there waiting the day before, thinking any of the screens are going to turn up. But we, look, we were okay on that front. Um, I have just googled a quick joke though, but you. Can <laughs> oh, I'm thinking. Um, if if it's a really bad one, why did the programmer go to rehab? Which is he was addicted to coding. <laughs> uh, it's not great, but that's as good as good as you're going to get today, Greg. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's better than I was expecting, actually. So okay, okay. So, uh, Mr. Craig Smith, thank you very much for being with us today in Cyberpod EU. No problem. Um, Thank you for inviting me, Greg. Appreciate your time. And um, and and, and I will uh, I will regularly deal with the topics around NATO. So I I might invite you in the next time. So I enjoyed your presence. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. <laughs>